This message was recorded live at Plantation Seventh-day Adventist Church in Plantation, Florida. Welcome to PlantationSDA.tv. Here you will find a diverse variety of Bible-based topics and conversations. God's master plan to inspire your mind, bring peace to your heart, and uplift your soul. May you be blessed and encouraged as you listen to God's Word. for you to worship God this afternoon? Is there a reason for you to worship God this afternoon? Why don't you open your mouth, raise your hand, extend your hand, and give God the highest praise. Give Him the highest praise. Hallelujah. 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 Praise God Almighty. Happy Sabbath, church family. Happy Sabbath. Those who are watching online or extended family member members, I am so privileged to stand before you today to bring a message from the Lord God Almighty. We are culminating today the series, Back to the Altar. I will be speaking today on worship and the three angels message. Even though today marks the culmination of this week's series, I hope you were blessed this week by these timely and timeless messages back to the altar, back to basic, back to the heart of God. God wants to draw you to Him. He said, if if we, if we, if, if he be lifted up, we will draw all men unto him. Do you want Jesus Christ to come again? Do you want Jesus Christ to come again? Then we have to erect those altars in our homes. We have to keep the flame burning on those altars. I have been tremendously blessed and I pray that you have been tremendously blessed. I want to give a shout out to Sister Angela sitting up in the front for taking on this gargantuan task. Angela, Sister Angela, Elder Angela is the best project manager you'll ever meet. Whenever we have an event, just give it to her. She's planning nine months in advance and she executes flawlessly. Sis, she's my, she's my co-partner in the prayer ministry. She did a phenomenal job. We were praying for the, the series weeks before we were on the line praying because we know that when we pray, God hears that he is not a dead God. He's not a God of idols that's made with sticks and stone. He's the living God. And so I want to thank Angela and I want to thank the rest of the prayer ministry team, Elder, um, Elder Fred Tony, Elder Barbara who just prayed, Sister Lourdes Valentin, Sister Lira Miller, and Brother Errol Tomlin. So those are the core, but we have the whole church praying and we have the church's prayer line praying and we have the kingdom woman praying. I'm telling you, no, no church or no nation will experience revival unless the church of God, unless the people of God praise. Our double gargantuan thank you to Sister Addie sitting in the front for all that she's done, all the graphics, all the planning behind that makes us look pretty, that all the seamless work, you know, everything. I just want to thank God for you and may he bless you, may he expand your territory and give you borderless territory as you do his work. Thank you the same for Melissa, visual arts, media ministry, all the volunteers, all the hosts, all the speakers. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. And last but not least, our pastor, Pastor Rose. 
Pastor Jen, thank you so much for the opportunity, for supporting the elders, for supporting the church, because this is where mission begins. Let us pray. Abba Father, I am your blank white sheet of paper. Etch your words on the canvas of my heart. Anoint these lips of clay to undrape mysteries from the throne room of grace, to undrape revelation, illumination, and give me the power of importation to transform lives for you, God Almighty. Holy Spirit, invade your people today. Invade this place today. Invade me today. Let loose in this place today, Holy God. As we come to seek your face like no other, drench us with an outpouring of the Holy Spirit now. In Jesus' name, amen. A friend of mine, sent me a video recently that's something that transpired in Jamaica of this young girl, a young lady, that she took the public taxi and was heading towards her destination. There were a couple of people in the taxi and she said as the taxi was, driver was going, he was letting off people and she was the only one left and she saw where he turned in a direction that she wasn't going and she wasn't familiar. So she asked him, where are you going? I'm going this place. And he turned to her, you won't be going there today. So he put the phone on speaker and he called a friend to say, I have a young lady in my car and she's very pretty. And whatever they were planning to do with her, she said she heard him say, when we're done, we can just cut up her body and threw away, threw her away. She said because she was sitting in the front, she was so frozen with fear, she didn't know what to do. But then she remembered being a believer, she remembered the song said, some trust in chariots and some trust in horses, but she trusts in the name of the Lord. And she started to sing the song and the taxi driver looked at her and said, are you a Christian? And she said, yes. And he stopped the car, not realizing as he stopped the car, a woman came in the car. And so as he began to drive, she said, could you let me out here? The young lady asked, could you let me? And he didn't. He said, no, I'm not letting you out. And the woman turned to him and said, why are you not letting her out of the car? Let her out. She's asking you to come out of the car. And so he had to stop and let her out of the car. Isn't God good? So when she came, she was giving her testimony and she said, what I asked you earlier, I have something to worship God. I don't know what your week was like. I don't know what your month or the year has been like. But from the minute you wake up and your mind is clothed, sane, and you have breath in your lungs, you ought to give God thanks. You ought to give God thanks. Last year, in the 10 days prayer series that we did, I was privileged to speak on the three angels call to prayer. See, the three angels messages are end time revival messages. But the people of God must be in prayer. Passionate prayer, prevailing prayer, warfare prayer, wailing prayer, desperate prayers for the almighty God to pour out his spirit. 
There can be no end time revival, no latter rain without the people of God praying. If you desire to see real change in your life, in your family, change in your community, change in your city, change in your state, change in the nation, change in the world, you must be praying. You must make prayer your heavenly umbilical cord. You must make prayer the heavenly umbilical cord to draw from the rich current of God's mercies and blessings to bring about revival, reformation, and restoration in the earth. To dovetail today's sermon, worship, and the three angels' messages, with the three angels' messages call to prayer, the focal point of my sermonic discourse today will be and worship in the context of back to the altar. Turn your Bibles with me to Revelation 14 verses 6 and 7. And it reads, Then I saw another angel flying in the midst of heaven having the everlasting gospel to preach to those who dwell on the earth, to every nation, tribe, tongue, and people, saying with a loud voice, and the loud voice in the Greek is megalephone, it's like a, where you get the word megaphone, from which the word megaphone comes, the fear God and give glory to him, for the hour of his judgment has come and worship him who made heaven and earth and the sea and the springs of water. This message is supposed to go forth with urgency. It is a universal message that should be swift by the people of God. Last year, I gave a macro sketch from a geopolitical framework of the proclamation of the three angels' messages called to prayer in Revelation 14 and the prophetic chain of events that occurred in the preceding chapters. I want you as people as God to be astute. So before we can talk about worship, I want to just give a cursory recap of what the rival gospel is about. Because at the end, worship will be the seminal topic for all the inhabitants of the earth. In Revelations 13, it talks about the beast that came up out of the sea. So there was a sea beast. And I parallel that with Daniel chapter 7 with the four beasts in Daniel's vision. I identify that the beast from the sea is a composite of the four beasts in Daniel chapter 7. Revelation 13, 1 to 8, spotlights the dragon's side in this cosmic war of worship. In Revelation 12, verse 17, he says, and the dragon was enraged with the woman and went to make war with the rest of her offspring who keep the commandments of God and have the testimony of Jesus. Don't miss this. In Revelation 13 verse 2, the dragon is Satan. 
He delegated his power, his throne, and his authority to the sea beast, which is a religious political system backed by worldwide secular and political authority and powers. You see, the sea beast offers a rival gospel, an apostate gospel to that of the three angels' messages. In Revelation 13, verse 3b, it says, And the whole earth marveled after the beast and worshipped the dragon because he gave authority to the beast and worshipped the beast, saying, Who is like the beast and who is able to wage war with him? Fear God and give glory to him. For the hour of his judgment has come. And worship him who made heaven and earth and the sea and the springs of water. Worship will be at the center stage in the final conflict between the worshipers of God, the creator of heaven and earth, and the worshipers of Satan, the dragon, and the deceiver. There will only be two groups of people. Worship in the Bible is described as a lifestyle. It is a reflection of yourself. It reflects your heart towards God. It is a part of your spiritual identity to God. When the Old Testament runaway prophet Jonah was asked, what kind of work do you do? Where do you come from? What is your country? From what people are you? Jonah said, I am a Hebrew and I worship the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. Jonah 1.9. Jonah spoke of life of worship as a lifestyle exclusively devoted to glorifying God. Ask yourself, who are you? Who do you worship? Do you need to repair your altar? Paul also defined worship as an exclusive lifestyle. In Romans 12, verse 1, he said, Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. In this current state of the culture and the world, neutrality is not a choice. You must choose whom you will worship, whose altar you will kneel before. Fear God, give glory to him, for the hour of his judgment has come. And worship him who made the heavens and the earth and the sea and the springs of water. The first angel's appeal is to fear God and to give him glory. Fearing God is to give him reverence, to take him seriously by obeying his commands. To fear God is to have a relationship with him, to commit your life to him, to surrender your all to him. 
The word of God says in Psalm 86, verse 11, one of my favorite verses in the Bible, teach me your way, Lord, that I may rely on your faithfulness. Give me an undivided heart that I may fear your name. To fear God is to be exclusively his. To give him the shrine of your heart. To love him with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. To give him glory is to show him honor by keeping his commandments. The Westminster Catechism explains, the chief end of man is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. I will repeat, the chief end of man is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. Worship the one who made heavens and earth. These verses remind us that humanity's origin is divine and not evolutionary. There is a teaching that is pervading the church about theistic evolution that the earth was not created in six literal days. Can I tell you that this God created the world in six literal days? Revelation 14 verse 8 said, Babylon is fallen. This sacred message calls true followers of God to reject all humanity originated forms of worship and belief not based on God's word. In the first two messages, Ellen White says something quite startling about the third angel's message. She writes in letter 209, the power of the proclamation of the first and second angel's messages is to be concentrated in the third. How so? Because the third angel's message captures the everlasting gospel of the first message and its call to worship. It embraces the second angel's call for separate, from separation from false worship. But the proclamation of the third angel's message is unlike the first two in that it delivers a fearsome warning. If anyone worship the beast and his image and receive his mark on his forehead or on his hand, he himself shall drink of the wine of the wrath of God, which is poured out in full strength in the cup of his indignation. Revelation 14 verse 9. This message reveals earth marked up beast worshipers and heavens sealed up God's worshipers. Who are you? How's your worship? A 2018 worldwide survey of Seventh-day Adventists found that only 34% of Adventist homes are engaging in regular morning and evening worship. And only 52% of church members have any personal devotions at all. Can a church 
with an end time message centered on worship, the three angels' messages of Revelations, uh, Revelation 14, 6 to 12, deliver this solemn message if its members are not fully engaged in personal and family worship. In other words, can we proclaim effectively what many of us are not doing daily? Sister White further comments, there's nothing more needed in the work of God than the practical results of communion with God. Testimonies for the church, volume six, page 47. Elsewhere she writes, like the patriarchs of old, those who profess to love God should erect an altar to the Lord wherever they pitch their tent. Fathers and mothers should often lift up their hearts to God in humble supplication for themselves and their children. Let the father as priest of the household lay upon the altar of God the morning and evening sacrifice while the wife and children unite in prayer and praise. In such a household, Jesus will love to tarry. Child guidance page, pages 518 and 519. Who are we? We're Seventh-day Adventist Christians. Who are we? We're God's commandment keepers. Who are we? A people of prophecy, a remnant that arose from the 2300 and the 1260 year prophecies. Who are we? We are messengers of the everlasting gospel. Who are we? Possessors of the gift of prophecies. Who are we? Believers who accept righteousness by faith. Believers who accept sola scriptura, the Bible and the Bible alone. Who are we? Believers who accept sola gratia, grace and grace alone. Who are we? Children of God. Beware of the altars of this world. Beware of the rival altars to the true altars. There has been a resurgence of the pagan gods in our society that has now infiltrated the church of God. The spirit of Baal, one of the pagan gods, but the supreme god, he was a chief god. There were different derivatives of him from the different nations, but he was Baal. Baal was the, the name of the supreme god who, were, who was worshipped by the Canaanites and Phoenicia. The practice of Baal worship infiltrated the Jewish religion and has now infiltrated the church of God. In Matthew 12, verse 27, Jesus called Satan Beelzebub, linking the devil to Beelzebub, the Philistine deity. Queen Jezebel, I know you have all heard about Jezebel, but Jezebel also had a daughter called Ataliah. You see, in ancient Israel, there were, when the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom split, Judah was the kingdom that God had promised to send his seed, Messiah. From that, you had all the kings from one family line. From the northern kingdom, you had, they ruled over 350 years, and they had kings from different families. I say that because Jezebel was married to Ahab, 
And as a result, she set up Asherah and Baal worship to turn the people of God against the true God. That, that uh, Pastor Rose preached last week about Mount Carmel where Elijah and the priest of Jezebel had a showdown on Mount Carmel where God won. But Jezebel had a daughter named Ataliah, and Ataliah, after her son died, she massacred all of her grandchildren except for one. And usurped the throne where it was supposed to be a male heir, and I'm saying all of this because of the spirit of feminism that is taking over. Feminism is not wrong, people want equality, but it's when you emasculate men. And this is a devious, deceptive work of a syndicate of evil that is looking to emasculate men and to bring God down even to a woman because you have people saying that God is now a woman. So Ataliah worshiped Baal. And she also exalted Baal in Judah. And so after six years, this little six-year-old boy, her grandson that she didn't know that God saved a remnant. And so she was killed because of her usurpation. This spirit of feminism seeks to seduce and to confuse and to create confusion against gender, to indoctrinate because Baal is Babylon. It is confusion, it is an indoctrination, it's an ideology, so you have to guard yourself as the children of God. You must make up your mind like the three Hebrew boys that you will not take a knee to Baal. You will not take a knee to Osiris. You will not take a knee to Chemosh or Milcom, who the, children, the parents used to allow their children to be sacrificed. This is happening in our nation. You must make up your mind not to take a knee to Ra, the Egyptian sun god, and all the worship, the pagan worship that is happening here in this land. You must take a knee not to bow to Zeus. You must take, you must, you should not take a knee to Asherah or Ishtar. You should not take a knee to the universe. The universe is not a conscious thing. The universe was created by God. He spoke and it came into being. He spoke atom, pro proton, neutron, electron, and mass came together. The Bible says that he spoke and the world came into existence. God spoke from nothing the world. So for those who are thinking that the universe will guide you or the universe will correct you, you're talking to a dead universe universe because it's the living God who created the universe. Your creedal statement should be, I worship Jesus Christ, the sovereign God. He said in Isaiah 45 verse 5, I am the Lord and there is no other. 
There is no God besides me. My Bible tells me in Philippians 2 verse 10 and 11 that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of those in heaven and on those on the earth and those under the earth that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Be careful of those evil altars. Altars require sacrifice. Altars require devotion. Be careful of what altar you are erecting in your homes. The church of God need to be aware of the spiritual realities. There is a warfare that is going on and you can't be like the ostrich to hide your head in the sand because war has come to your home. We are experiencing the great controversy in 3D. The enemy want to rip your marriage apart. He wants to steal your children's virginity. He wants to kill you before you wake up in the morning. The church of God is called to confront darkness. Christ says, upon this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail. People are making sacrifices to their altars. Sacrifices for promotion. Sacrifices for self-actualization. Sacrifices for networked. People are building altars. Just last week I was reading the Telegraph, a UK newspaper, and it said young people sacrifice belief in God on altar of Satanism. It said satanic groups around the world who claim that the opportunities Satanism offer people to engage in activism and campaign on issues such as gender and sexuality is a part of the appeal for younger members, particularly those who are increasingly less likely to declare themselves as Christians. This satanic chaplain, a 32-year-old London-based guy, he says that over um, the Church of Satan has seen a 200% increase in membership over the last five years. He said the movement is a movement towards self-identification. He said, I'd love to be able to claim that we could pat ourselves on the back and say, yes, we have done our infernal work here and we're successfully declining the number of Christians. But I think it is a far more complex issue than that. He said that two factors were responsible. The decrease in popularity of traditional dogmatic religion and a movement towards self-identification and self-realization. See, there's nothing wrong with activism because as people of God, we need to steward what God has given us and he has given us the earth to steward. So there's nothing wrong with conserving. There's nothing wrong with trying to delay global warning. But in Micah, it tells me that the Lord said to seek justice, love mercy, and walk humbly before your God. So when you are under any activist banner or campaign, whose banner are you under? Are you under the banner of Christ or are you under the banner of the world? 
the spirit of necromancy talking to dead people witchcraft magic art wicca occultic practices are widely accepted and normalized even among so-called believers you have believers right now burning sage to get rid of evil spirit from their homes well i'm warning you you're opening the portal of hell there has over the last couple years they have never seen so many demon possessions in the world because people are dabbling into the supernatural dabbling into wickedness the bible says have nothing to do with that but it ain't it's not all bad i am seeing a generation of true worshiper on the rise Yes, some of our spiritual and political leaders have failed us, but I see a church rising up. I see a movement of Seventh-day Adventist believers rising up to proclaim the three angels' messages. I see young people today burning their idols and returning to God. I see parents rejoicing for their prodigal sons and their daughters coming back home. I see altars in home being repaired. I see the church of the living God come alive. I see the Holy Spirit being poured out on God's end time people to give God your best you must give him your fatty praise you see in the tabernacle service when the priest was supposed to offer God the offering he said to give him the fat portion so when it, 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 it goes on the altar of burnt offering, it sizzles. So God wants your praise to sizzle. He wants your fatty praise. He wants everything to just sizzle. So when that aroma comes up to God, he thinks of his son who gave his life the best sacrifice. The essence of your worship is to enthrone God. He said, Worship enthrones God. Worship is warfare. It said worship, when you praise God, it executes vengeance against the kingdom of darkness. So lift up your hands, lift up your head and say Yahweh, Yahweh. Your Adonai, Yahweh, Yahweh. You alone deserve my worship. You alone deserve my praise. You alone deserve the honor. Last week, I heard in the news that Pastor Jack Hayford died. And I'm growing up as a child, and I know many of you have heard the song, Majesty. And so I went back and I listened to the, the, the lyrics of the song, Worship His Majesty. Unto Jesus be all glory and honor and praise. Majesty, kingdom authority, flow from His throne unto His own, His anthem raise. So exalt, lift up the name, the name of Jesus. Magnify, come glorify. Jesus who died, no glorified king of all kings. Fathers, fathers, and mothers also. Who is keeping the deed of your house? Who is the deed holder to your home? 
You see, the deed holding is contingent upon the altar you erect. You may physically occupy your home, but the deed belongs to someone else. Be careful of the altar you're erecting in your home. Be careful of the altar that is opening portals, chaos, disorder, arguments, abuse. Those are altars. Let your children see you worshiping. Do it on purpose. I know sometimes we get so refined and educated, we want to be sensitive to our children, their disposition. Wake up in the morning and open your mouth and praise God. I remember my son always say to me, and he's good. He always said, Mom, you know, you always wake me up in the morning. I always hear you. But I remember one time we had a fight, and the enemy attacks you through your children. You know that? Really hard. So when he does that, I just smile and go to sleep. But you see, when I get up in the morning, I give him a head start. Run. Run. And so when I prayed, my son called me on the way to work. He said, Mom, I heard you. He wasn't talking about the physical hearing. He hear me trampling down the kingdom of darkness. I could feel the shift in the atmosphere. As children of God, you must be so in tune with the altar that God will show you things. He said, call to me. And I will show you great and mighty things you know not. You can only see the fenced in things when you have an altar to God. Parents, be careful of what your children are watching. Be careful of the things that you're doing, the Ouija board, the spirit boards, all right? Ancestral worship, seances, Astral projection, channeling, astrology. These are all broken down altars. Be careful of the portals you are opening in your home. Paul said, be careful of Satan devices. Because he comes in the back door. Guard your family altar. The Lord says, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt out of the house of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. Parents, friends, I want you to appeal this morning to the council of heaven to lodge a complaint against the house of hell because he has let loose depression, suicide, slander, harassment against your house. This today, I want you to take your divine authority and tell God, I'm taking back reverence in my home. I'm taking back righteousness in my home. I'm taking back godliness in my home. I'm taking back respect in my home. I'm taking back purity in my home. I'm taking back authority in my home. I'm taking back holiness in my home. You are the God of this house, God. There's no other God but you. My home, the warden's house, belongs to God. He is the deed holder of my house. In the morning, keep 
the fire of your family altar burning. If it is just you alone, it's okay. Offer to God your family's sacrifice anyway. Your sacrifice can change the destinies of your children. Job offered sacrifices for his children in case they violated the laws of God and God honored Job's sacrifice. God will honor your sacrifice. God will save your children. One other warning. Do not allow this world's standard to make your mind like Play-Doh. Don't let anybody play with your mind like a putty. Your mind is plastic. And by beholding, you become changed. There is a subliminal warfare that is going on. There's an ideological warfare that is going on. It has infiltrated the whole church. There is an order by the syndicate of evil to change your mind. You see, Nebuchadnezzar, when he brought the boys into captivity, he changed their names and gave their names, their names were pagan gods. Be careful of what you are consuming. Be careful of the shows you're watching. I can't even watch. It takes me like maybe sometime an hour to surf to find something. Because everything is filled with sorcery and magic arts. I turn to Disney and they are the worst. The other day I was watching a kid's show at Disney and I was just watching the credits at the end and on the soundtrack of this kid's show, there's a song that is sung, I think, by Mick Jagger, Sympathy for the Devil. Now, where is that song? Where does that song belong on a soundtrack for a kid movie? Sympathy. Be vigilant parents of what your children are consuming. The enemy is looking to take them from you voluntarily through deception or by force because this rival gospel will coerce you to bow to it. The big lie. Did God really say? Did God really say that he made two genders? Did God really say in his image, I made male and female, or 73 genders, because that's the latest count I have. Up until recently, I did not think that these fundamental truths about my biology would need to be affirmed. I am a woman, a female, masterfully created in the image of the Most High God. I'm a wife a mother, a daughter, a niece, an aunt. I am not a birthing person. I am a mother. I unequivocally and categorically reject any campaign to dehumanize my identity and undermine my creator's sovereignty. The enemy is looking to mindscape your mind. Just as you think about the landscape and the terrain, he's looking to mindscape. I had a renovation, some renovation done at my house recently, and the renovator had to cut through the, 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 um, the drywall to put in whatever electrical wires. 
But then he had this band-aid-like tape that he would tape over the wall, then he would get the caulking, and then he would smooth it over and rub it down, and it looks undisturbed. That's what the enemy wants to do with your mind. He wants to plant lies and deceit. Lies, lies, lies. Did God really say, no, God did not say so. You can do it. You can worship any God you want. That's fine. No, it's okay. It's okay. You know? You know, don't, don't read your Bible. You know, you're tired. Just, just you sleep a little longer. That's fine. Yeah. Lies, 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 deceit, and it sometimes it looks so innocuous, it sucks you in because the Bible says he will parade as an angel of light. He mixed the truth with error, just a little, just a little. Did God really say? This is the attack that is happening in mainstream media on Genesis 1 and 2. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. No. Evolution is what Charles Darwin says, is what Richard Darwin says, is what Richard Dawkins says. It is not what God says. But as a people of God, you need to know the word of God. You need to stand up for truth. You need to be the repairers of the breach, the standard bearers of righteousness, the paragons of excellence. You need to stand unreservedly and stand on the truth of God no matter what. You will have to choose you will have to choose. Won't you choose Jesus? Guard your mind. From it flows the issues of life. Know who you are. Know who you are in Christ. That you are a child of God. That you are the righteousness of God. That you are the salt of the earth. That you are the light of the world. That you are royalty. Worship God only. At God's altar, it is a place of refuge. At God's altar, it's a place of healing. A place of forgiveness. A place of protection. A place of triumph. A place of surrender. God's altar is a place where the eternal flame of God's presence is ever present. God's altar is the place where his glory dwells. Don't you want to do, dwell in God's glory? It was at the altar that the Son of God hung on the rugged cross between heaven and earth to show every nation, every tribe and language God's unconditional love for humanity. It was at the altar that atonement at one meant was completed. It was at the altar Satan was checkmate, defeated. It was at the altar Christ disarmed principalities and powers. Bow down and worship him. Bow down before his nail-pierced feet. Bow down before his sword-pierced side. Bow down before his thorn-pierced brow. Bow down before his lash-pierced back. Bow down before the one who paid it all for you. Bow down to the one who loves you. Come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker. When you worship God, tell God who he is to you. That he is Alpha 
and omega, that he's counselor, protector, way maker, the way, the truth, and the life, faithful and true, that he's a covenant keeper, that he's the gift giver, that he's a companion and a friend, that he's comforter. When you go to the altar, you are allying yourself with the king of kings and the Lord of lords. When you go to the altar, you are demonstrating to the universe and to every unseen being whom you worship. In Revelation 4 verse 9 to 11 said, When the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to him who sits on the throne, who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fall down before him who sits on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever and cast their crowns before the, Lord, the throne saying, You are worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power for you created all things and by your will they exist and were created I know for all of us as the songwriter puts it prone to wonder Lord I feel it prone to leave the God I love take my life Lord take and seal it consecrate it oh God and seal it for your courts above the gospel of Jesus offers the best stimulus package. No variable interest rate, no inflation, recession proof, no debt, no repayment plan. It is free. It offers hope. It offers peace of mind. It offers happiness. It offers eternal life it offers riches forevermore the gospel of Jesus sets sinners free the gospel of Jesus make the poor man rich and the rich man poor in the spirit of the things of God the gospel of Jesus plunders hell and rescues captive the gospel of Jesus heal the sick give sight to the blind hearing to the deaf speech to the mute raise the dead and conquer death hell and the grave the gospel of Jesus is hope it is freedom it is joy it is life life eternal the gospel of Jesus is foolishness to many in the mainstream media Hollywood and the in its intellectual elites in some churches it has been watered down to appease the lifestyle of their members and the popular masses morality has now become an evolutionary theory but a perishing world needs to hear the message of hope needs to hear life and liberty let your voice be heard like a trumpet and do not be ashamed to tell the world the good news tell it up there tell it over there tell it under there tell it Tell it, tell it back to the altar. If I preach this sermon and not give someone who may have come here and has not given their life to Jesus Christ. If you have come today and your life is out of order, can I tell you that Jesus Christ offers the best gift for you to come into communion with him? Would you raise your hand? If you are, have not given your life to Jesus Christ and you want me to pray with you and you want to come to Jesus, you want to come to know him better, he's coming very soon. And the three angels' messages is not just for believers, it's for unbelievers. It's for unbelievers, it's for the church of God to have the heart of God to go and to win the lost one for him because he will leave the 99 and go just for the one. 
is there someone here today who would love to give their life to Jesus? Maybe you're afraid, you know, because raising your hand or coming to the altar is not popular anymore. But at the altar is freedom. At the altar is redemption. At the altar is communion. At the altar is life eternal. Would you just raise your hand? If not, would the church just stand with me? I'd like to pray with you. Abba Father, what a privilege. Jesus, what a privilege. What a privilege it is to come to you in prayer. What a privilege it is to know that you pay the price for sin. That sin has no more hold over us. That it is paid in full. And that God, this message, the everlasting message that you've given to your church is a message of hope for the saved is a message of hope for those who are not saved to come now lord to come into this place of rest and solitude and happiness oh god almighty if you could just open up the veil so we could see you in your glory how happy you are to look at your church knowing that we will become the church redeemed the church triumphant and that we will live with you through the ceaseless ages of eternity god almighty right now father i pray that you'll take note of every man woman boy and girl and that lord god that you will awash them in your love that you will encircle them father with your love and overwhelm them disarm lord god any anxiety disarm lord any suicide thought anyone who has come today god with the thought of maybe giving up lord god i pray that you give them hope i pray god that you will be the bridge of hope that you'll be light father god i pray that you shine forth your shekinah glory and that you'll eradicate lord god the darkness that you will bind satan that you will bind his minions and that you will cast them in the great abyss mighty God today we pray for revival we pray for reformation we pray God for every home here Lord to have erected altars to you God Almighty see our heart remove anything that is unlike you tear down and demolish every altar God that does not give you glory every altar that does not show you reverence every altar oh God that is not God a one that you father can come and sit with us and commune with us the altar is for communion your altar is for calibration it is for commemoration lord god is the altar of reset god we want a reset we want you to reset the temperature of our lives we want you to reset the temperature of our heart we want you to reset the temperature of our mind reset us with forgiveness reset us with repentance reset us with holiness reset us with purity reset us with love mighty god we want to be your glory carriers this morning we want to be your glory carriers, God. We want to host you, God Almighty. So, Father, come now. Come and overshadow us as you did, Lord God, when Solomon prayed and the temple was filled with your glory. God, make plantation a house that is filled with your glory this morning. Lord, make us the change agent that when we leave this place, that we will give the trumpet a loud sound and that we will tell the world, fear God and give glory to him for the hour of his judgment has come mighty God I pray that you will show us with your blessing this week
I pray that you'll preserve us. I pray that you'll cancel anything and annul any plan of the enemy. Redact, almighty God. Overturn, mighty God. Put an executive order against the enemy and save your children. Seal us with your love. Seal us with your power. Seal us with your blessing. In Jesus' name I pray. The Lord bless you. The Lord keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift his countenance upon you and give you his peace. Amen. This podcast was brought to you by Plantation Seven-day Adventist Church, a Christ-centered congregation dedicated to spreading the good news of God's love through sermons, deeper dive conversations, and much more. If you'd like to listen to more life lessons and inspirational content, please visit us at plantationsda.tv.